Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Who world religions say Jesus is? Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus asked his disciples who people said he was. The account reads as follows. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You'll find that, of course, in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 16. In this truth talk, I ask, who do world religions say Jesus is? And I think the answer will be interesting and shed light on how we as Christians should be answering. So first of all, a very brief summary of six major religions. I've selected six, ranging from two that are thousands of years old to one that's less than 50 years old. First is Hinduism. It's actually unknown when Hinduism started, but it dates back more than 4,000 years. Hindus believe that God, the universe, human beings, and everything else are essentially one thing. They regard their plethora of deities as emanations and manifestations representing the many facets of arbitrary. They regard Jesus only in the and number him among their gods. Secondly, Judaism. Jews trace the origin of their religion to Abraham about 4,000 years ago. Some of the major teachers over the years have mentions in their writings of Jesus of Nazareth. They present him as born to Mary and Joseph, an itinerant teacher with many disciples, and a man who performed miracles and drove out demons. They acknowledge that he and his disciples proclaimed him to be the Jewish Messiah, but they vehemently deny the truth of this claim. They hold that Jesus did not meet the requirements to fulfill the prophecies that would qualify him as Messiah. They deny that he was the Son of God or even a legitimate prophet, for they believe that Malachi was the last of the true prophets. They reject the idea that Jesus is divine, and they think the concept of more than one God, let's say a trinity for instance, is absolutely blasphemous. Now Islam. Muslims trace their religion back to the 7th century Muhammad. They base their doctrines on his writings and respect Jesus as a prophet and wise teacher who worked miracles and healed many. They teach that he indeed ascended into heaven and will one day return to earth. It might surprise you, but they do. However, these beliefs are different from Christian teaching. They hold, for instance, that Allah, their name for God, sent Jesus to guide the descendants of Israel with a new scripture. However, they teach that the original gospel was lost and that the existing documents are much altered and therefore of little current value. They teach that Jesus was but one of several messengers sent by Allah, but that Muhammad was the last messenger and therefore superior to all others, including Jesus. They teach that Jesus survived the crucifixion and did not ascend bodily into heaven. However, when he eventually died, Allah gave him a place of honor and the mission of returning to earth one day to ultimately validate Islam. Yep, believe it or not. They reject that Jesus was God, or the Son of God, or a member of a trinity. Buddhism? Well, some Buddhists regard their belief system more as a philosophy than a religion. Buddha lived and taught in the 5th century, 
and he held that Jesus was an enlightened man and wise teacher. Bahá'u'lláh established this religion in the 19th century, promoting the essential worth of all religions and the unity of all people. To them, Jesus was a wise teacher with an aspect of divinity in that he was one of several who predicted divine attributes into the world. Now, lastly, I want to deal with the New Age. The New Age movement is made up of several strands of esoteric Gnosticism that emerged into literature and media in about the 1960s. Most New Agers believe that Jesus was an enlightened master who manifested a divine power that is potentially available to all who enter the New Age. New Age adherents and those like them have more of an impact and a penetrative power in today's church than all the other religions. So I want to elaborate a little on their beliefs. They respect Jesus as an enlightened soul, among with other religious leaders like Buddha, Krishna, Confucius, and so on. Although respected, for them Jesus is not worshipped or regarded as the exclusive Son of God. Some accept Jesus' crucifixion as historical, but as not essential to restoring humanity to wholeness. They deny his resurrection and his ascension. They generally spiritualize Jesus' second coming to refer to the evolutionary ascent of an awakened humanity. They cite the Bible as one of ten sources of information about Jesus, but regard it as secondary to the other texts that they have. Now, what do all of these religious systems have in common? You see, if Jesus asked representatives of the six religions that I've spoken about here, who do you say I am? they would unanimously answer, you are a wise moral teacher, emanate something of the divine into the world. However, Simon Peter answered very differently because he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And several years later, another Jew by the name of Paul developed this statement of faith. And if I present what he said in the form of a personal response to Jesus' question, it would be something like, you are the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. You are the image of the invisible God, for God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in you. You are the Christ, and in you all the fullness of the days he lives in bodily form. Obviously I've culled that from Hebrews 1.3, Colossians 1.15, 19, and chapter 2, verse 8. So now, if Jesus were to ask you who you thought he was, how would you answer? Now let's play this out a little bit. Let me just tease this out. Jesus says, who do you say I am? You answer, you're the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus, yes, that is what you have been taught. But what do you actually, and who do you actually think I am? You respond, oh, you are a wise teacher, a worker of miracles, the founder of the Christian church, and you are coming one day back to earth to judge the living and the dead. Surely. And Jesus would say, "Uh, yeah, I am. But is that all I am to you? Okay, so far these hypothetical responses are very much like what any religious person would say. However, if Jesus were to ask them, but am I God? They would all say, no. Some religions, and I hope you all know by now that I don't regard authentic Christianity as a religion. Well, some religions regard Jesus as divine in the same way that all gods are divine and as all people are potentially divine. But none believe that Jesus is God, 
and that God is Jesus. This is the great differentiator between religion and true Christianity. Do you believe this? Do you believe what Paul wrote concerning Jesus? Do you believe the accuracy and veracity of what the Gospels record of what Jesus said about himself? You know, because he said, I tell you the truth. Before Abram was born, I am. That's in John 8, 58. And of course, the Jews of his day understood precisely what he was saying, that he was calling himself God, the great I am of Exodus 3, 14. Because then they picked up stones and they tried to stone him for blasphemy. So they obviously understood exactly what he was saying. In response to one of his disciples' question, Jesus said, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. John 49. Now most Christians would probably have no problem agreeing with Jesus and Paul's statements because this is what we have been taught and what we profess. However, the proof of what we confess is in how we live it out in our lives. And this is where the rubber hits the road. In South Africa, we have a variation of the saying, where the rubber hits the road, that you have to be born in this country to appreciate this. It goes like this, where the tacky hits the tar, the tacky being a sneaker. Both versions mean the moment of truth when we have to give tangible evidence of what we claim. I guess a biblical version of this would be culled from James 2.22, which says, His faith was made complete by what he did. So what we profess concerning our faith in Jesus is of little worth and is proven by our actions. If I profess that Jesus is God, then what he said and did whilst on earth is of the greatest importance because it is God instructing and demonstrating. So one, I should try to live out his mandate to love others, to draw others into a relationship with him, and to evidence his ethics and morality in my life. Two, I should also live in dependence on the Holy Spirit and be guided and empowered by him. Three, I should minister powerfully to those who are sick or oppressed. Further, if I profess that Jesus is the divine author and interpreter of Scripture, then I should, one, accept the inspiration and authority of the Bible as he did, two, seek to interpret the scriptures from a Jesus-centered perspective by taking what he said, did, and revealed of the nature and character of the Godhead as my hermeneutical starting point and primary tool. Hermeneutical, the way I interpret and understand the scriptures. Three, build on the fact that as God, Jesus is the ultimate model of all things that truly matter. If the Godhood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the key thing that separates religion from true Christianity, then what real difference is there between me and a Jew, Hindu or Muslim if I do not believe this truth and validate it by the way I live? Let's take the matter one level deeper. If Jesus is not God, then how can I be saved? For only God can pay the penalty for my sin and rebellion, and only God can give me new spiritual life. Jesus put it this way, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. That's John 8, 
23 and 24. So let's talk about the primacy of our faith in Jesus. Some time ago I wrote the following. Our churches are, in many cases, filled with members and adherents who are little different to non-Christians in belief and behavior. Perhaps one of the reasons for this is the failure of preachers and teachers to clearly articulate the fundamental need for spiritual new birth. Unless those who profess to be Christian experience the supernatural rebirth of the Spirit, then the following will most likely be their reality. This is a bit of a reality check. Let me just read it through. Their salvation testimony will be either that they were born into a Christian family, or that they tried to live their lives in a Christian way, or that a church incorporated them and taught them how to be good, good Christians. They will be unable to recall a time when they repented of rebellion against God, accepted the deity and exclusive way of salvation in through Jesus and things of that nature. There will have been no radical and memorable life-changing moment for them, just gradual conformity to the Christian way. Some, you know, might recall and rely on a while all heads are bowed form of altar call, or maybe even a water baptism of some kind, but they will not be able to attest to either the spiritual reality or impact of what happened on that occasion, or how their lives changed from that moment. They will have no real sense of assurance that they are in relationship with the Lord Jesus, and they will be uncertain of their eternal destiny. They will have no experience of supernatural ministry to others. Perhaps they might recall a time when they prayed for somebody who later got well, who was blessed in some other way. For them, the Bible will be simply a religious history, a rule book, and a source of promises. Now this is not the radical discipleship that Jesus requires, and nor is it a satisfying, meaningful, and effective way to live. <laughs> Don't you just hate moralistic sermons, talks, and articles, especially the ones that contain lots of you or we should statements. You know what I'm talking about. Oh Lord, help us to, we should, etc. And in this talk, I've only used the I should expression. Because whatever I write or say to you must first apply to myself. Well, we, you and I, are reborn and empowered only by the grace of God. What we say and do cannot earn or attain salvation. Only what God does in and through us counts. However, how we live out our profession of faith is the evidence of what God has done in us or not done in us. And if you have any doubt at all about the validity of your faith relationship with Jesus, then please chat with your pastor or another mature believer. And if, having heard this truth talk, you have some nagging doubts or unresolved questions, then please also take it up with a church leader or other mature man or woman of the faith. See, a purpose of a talk such as this is to stimulate reflection, leading to a deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus. And more than that, though, it's an attempt to set out a fundamental and essential truth. And here it is. Time is short. For all of us, and it will not be long before we will appear before the one who said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God be with us all. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. 
If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth talks.